0: This morning, we're going to be looking at uh, two passages. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to go along. Otherwise, I'll just be sharing them as a narrative, uh, passages that perhaps you're familiar with. My title is, What Have I Missed? question. And it's a question that I think is very appropriate for each of us to ask ourselves, uh, in relation to the, uh, the lesson that I'm going to embark on this morning, what have I missed? I'm going to tell you a little personal story here in a little bit that maybe will put this in perspective. I'm always very reticent, very hesitant to do that, um, because I know that I'll become the, the butt of jokes, um. But we all know what it's like that if we uh, missed an opportunity or we have a missed opportunity, uh, we, we have a missed chance of something. We know what it's like when we've missed an appointment because we've been distracted Uh, Unfortunately, some have missed a flight because they were unaware of the time, or we missed the cutoff date to something because it just seemingly was unimportant uh, to us. My focus this morning is going to be on one word that we're going to read here in just a little bit that uh, our language doesn't quite capture it, so if you'll bear with me, I'm going to unfold it. A little bit, but to put it in perspective, uh, the emphasis is 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 not being fully awake in our in in, in about things, appointments or opportunity. You know, not being fully aware of something, and when we are not fully aware of something, uh, we miss things. And so, the question that we can ask ourselves is, "What have I missed?" Well, I can't answer what you've missed in your daily lives, and I'm certainly not going to, going to embark on that, but I'm, I've asked myself that question, what have I missed spiritually for not being fully aware of things? Uh, here's my story. Years ago, uh, several years ago, um, i get a call. I'd gone to Tulsa to spend um, the evening with my aunt in Tulsa and we'd stayed up, went to eat and everything. So uh, they, they lived on the golf course in Tulsa. So obviously it was like a uh, vacation to me. I mean, it was just wonderful. So we were up late. So about uh, 8.30 in the morning, I, 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 get, a, I get a text now, at 8.30 in the morning, after being up so late and everything, I was not real awake. So I kind of, without my glasses, read that text. And what the text was was from someone in the church that, that I thought said, would it be okay if a grandparent on baby dedication comes and dedicates their, their grandbaby? I just had a one-word answer. Absolutely question mark. Now I may have shared this before, but it's going to capture this. Well, about 20 minutes later, I get a call from the office, wakes me up again. And the question was, what in the world did you tell this person? I said, Well, I it'd be okay. Did you read your text? And I said, Well, yeah, I thought I did. Well, then I got my glasses. And when I read it, I thought it said, would it be okay? And my answer was, absolutely. But it was not that. It was, would it be a problem if grandparents? <laughs> and I just said, absolutely, exclamation point. From that day on, I, had a, I have a rule, and that's why you won't hear from me or you won't get a text before 930 in the morning. <laughs> when we are not fully aware, we miss things. and so. This morning I would like to read uh, a passage. There'll be two passages that I will refer to. One will be our, our, our main passage, but another one will be an illustration of the same thing. In Luke chapter 9, it says that after about eight days, and Jesus had been teaching, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, The appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease or his crucifixion, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. Now at this point we see that that those that were with Jesus because they were asleep they missed what had just happened. They missed a revelation uh, an unusual uh, revealing of of who Jesus Christ was, what he was about to accomplish Uh, and, and so they missed that. But this is not the only time that this sort of thing happened. At the end of his ministry, a little later on, Jesus was uh, uh, the night before he was uh, crucified. He went into the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And here's what that passage says. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. So he took Peter, James, and John, the same three, with him And he began to be very troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further. He fell on the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, or dear Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Now, here's what we have in common in these two passages. Uh, The first thing is that those that were with Jesus Christ were asleep. They were not awake. And as such, they ended up missing some very striking things. In the first passage of our text, we, we find that they they missed the, the glory of Jesus Christ. Not just a man, but the Son of God who left heaven and came down and lived. And for that brief moment, Jesus Christ was seen in his original state. Beautiful, wonderful, wondrous. As some say, glorious. And that's why That's why it says glory. They had glory there. They also missed something else. In that first passage we read, they had Moses and Elijah. They missed seeing the validation of everything they had heard and been raised on by the Old Testament prophets. I mean, they had read about Moses, but had never seen him. They had read about Elijah and his wondrous miracles, but had never seen him. But in that moment while they were asleep, they missed it. They missed that. We find where then in that second passage, the same sort of thing happens. They're asleep. They couldn't stay awake. And here's what they missed there. They missed what I call the struggle of humanity. Jesus Christ, who came and took upon himself our flesh, they missed how human he actually was. It says that he was deeply distressed. When it says he went a little further and fell on the ground when he was in the garden, he fell on the ground, it means he just simply Collapsed. He just he just fell on the ground. It's hard for us to imagine that, is it not? That Jesus Christ would just fall down and begin to pray and begin to ask his Heavenly Father, Father, if it's if it's possible, please let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thine. They missed the, that. They missed his suffering. The scriptures tell us, Luke writes, that in the garden, that while he was there and he was praying and they were asleep, Luke says that then an angel appeared from heaven and to him and strengthened him. They missed that. They were asleep and they missed it. What have I missed? So far, incredible amount of things from the hand of God. They also missed, as Jesus prayed, Luke records, that he prayed even more earnestly the second and third time, To the point that his sweat was like great drops of blood falling down. They missed that. They missed his agony and his suffering. And they actually missed what I call the true human condition. And that is what Jesus says. He says, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All the while they were asleep. Now, in our lives, we miss so much, I believe, from God because we are not fully awake mentally, spiritually. We know what it's like to not be fully awake, as I shared my story. We know what it's like, the mistakes we make, or we know what it's like to miss something or miss a word, or we know what that's like miss an appointment, miss a flight, miss the term. Misdirect, we know what that's like. Afatiori, even more so. As real as that is in life, physical life, it is just as real in our spiritual life. We encounter things spiritually that we have been given a legend. We have been given a uh, oh, kind of a precursor to what things are in our spirit. As Jesus taught, just like we hunger after bread physically, we hunger after uh, spiritual bread. Just like we thirst, as he told the woman at the well, for water from a well, we also thirst spiritually for water. We thirst. It's as real in our spirit as it is in our physical life. And as such, I can say this, I think, Pretty much with confidence that if we miss things because we are not awake, we're not aware, or we're negligent or whatever in our everyday life, we certainly can also miss things spiritually that God would love for us to know and to see. You know, the interesting thing is that Jesus invited those three on two occasions. Why? Why? He wanted them to be with him during these times, but yet they were not awake. We miss so much. I think in our own lives we miss things because, um, oh, I kind of made a a few mental notes about this. Uh, You know, sometimes I am so prejudiced or we can be so prejudiced about something uh, or or even self-righteous that that we, we miss things that God wants us to see. Uh, we, we have our preconceived notions about this or that. And as a result, we are so hard-headed or stiff-necked that we, we miss the revelations or the instructions that God wants us to see to have a better life. But I think more importantly and, and more aptly is that we miss things because uh, mentally uh, we have become so lazy in our culture. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people are totally satisfied for letting other people think for them instead of them digging it out themselves. Ralph Waldo Emerson said he had much rather talk to someone who has plowed their own ground rather than someone who just comes in and takes over. So we become lazy in that and we miss things. We miss the things that God wants us to understand. Uh, and, and, and also, I think that there is such a, um, I don't know, a, lo- a love of ease and comfort that we are very willing to just accept what someone tells us as the truth rather than dig it and mine it ourselves. It was Plato. And Socrates' wording, it said this, the unexamined life is not worth living. So we can miss so many things in our life if we are not, not awake. But then there is a very vivid sentence in, in our original text that I wanted to look at because it's one word that is different than most other words that we translate this way, awake. When it says, and when they were awake, but the word literally translates, and there's a little bitty word, it means when they were fully awake, when they were fully awake, then they saw his glory and then they saw the two men who stood with him. And then they said, it is good for us to be here. But they did not see it when they were not awake. But that word fully awake is very interesting Fully awake from sin—it means that there is an incredible distance between being asleep and being awake. Not like I did on that stupid text thing, uh, but be, being completely separated from from sleep or sleepiness or grogginess. Being fully awake means literally this: our eyes are fastened on what we see, our ears are are peaked to what we are hearing. We are captivated by what we see. And that's what happened to them. When they were fully awake, they were captivated. Their eyes locked on to Jesus Christ. They saw Moses and Elijah. And their conclusion was, It's a good thing that we're here. What do we miss? What have I missed? I tell you, I think from what the scriptures teach, there's a lot of good things that we miss because we are Enamored with everything else, perhaps. Because they were fully awake, their eyes were fastened on Jesus Christ in his, docta, his glory. Radiant, bright, heavenly. And they saw Moses and Elijah there because they, they were so in tune with that. Then the next thing they saw was this. The scriptures say, a cloud came and overshadowed them. Well, what was that? Well, you know what they had read, and the, they had read in the first five books of the Old Testament, Moses is recording, of how God would come from the wilderness in a cloud, and He would descend upon the Mount Sinai or the Holy Mount. They had read about it, but had never seen or experienced it. But because they were fully awake, fastened on that. Not only did they see, but they experienced it to the point that it was ultimately a life-changing thing for each of them. They also, not, they also heard something. Not only saw, they not only saw the cloud descend, they had read about it in the old scriptures. They would read about it, but now they saw that. But then they heard a voice. And it was from heaven. I don't know if anyone else could hear it, but they heard it. And the voice came out of the cloud and said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. God Almighty was telling those three men, I want you to listen to my son. Very personal, a very intimate revelation. But that is the kinds of things that we miss. God will speak to you in the night. There'll be no other audible voice. No one can hear it. But you will sense his presence in your life. Your heart will skip a beat. And you'll realize that there is something other than you that loves you. And you will hear and Your heart, your mind, your conscience, the moving of his Holy Spirit as the Spirit breathed on the waters in Genesis, moved upon those waters. You'll sense that if you're fully awake to God and what he wants and wants to share with each of you. Which brings me then to an understanding of what we would call an epiphany. An epiphany, though, we celebrate what an epiphany is uh, during a, it's a religious, kind of a sacred religious holiday or observation, but the true notion of epiphany is is just what I say, it's the appearance or manifestation of a divine being. I've never seen God with my eyes, but with my mind's eye, I have. I've never heard him with my ears, but with my heart, I have heard God speak personally and intimately to me, and it's life-changing to the point that no matter how old you are or no matter what you go through or what you've experienced in the past, no matter what either accolades or failures you have, you realize That what you're sensing and what you're feeling, what you're apprehending in your mind and heart is not something you've read, but it's something that is different. God, his presence. The scriptures tell us his spirit will bear witness with our spirit personally, intimately, unless we're not fully awake. And if we're just meandering through life with sleepy eyes and a slow heart, we miss all kinds of things that God wants us to understand. An epiphany is something that not only is divine, but it is also, I guess, uh, an awareness of something that is uh, about essential nature. We call them the aha moments or a uh, you know, I had, a, I had all of a sudden, I had a, I had a light bulb go on. That is an epiphany, but not from God. God moves in mysterious ways. His ways are higher than ours, and so he will come to us, guide us, gently but distinctly in what he desires to give us and what he wants to help us with. It also, an epiphany, is an intuitive grasp of what we call of the way reality is. Here's the thing. We live in a culture that is really actually, actually it started started back with a philosopher, uh, Wittgenstein. He decided that language should be changed. If a word means something, it doesn't have to mean that whatsoever. You can change it. You can change the meaning. We're living in a culture and a society that is changing every word and every notion of definition that we understand to the point that now what God said in the Old Testament has actually come to pass. That which was once called good is now called bad. And that which was once called bad is now called good. Well, we need to be fully awake to hear and get that intuitive grasp of what reality is all about it's not about just what we can see touch taste or hear as i said the old greek latin fathers had this phrase "of thought they even more so as real as everything is here in our physical world it is even more real in the spiritual world that's that was the whole discussion of Jesus and Nicodemus at night. He kept telling Nicodemus, as real as a birth is, it's just as real to be born again. So, what have I missed? Well, we probably all of us, I'll be at the front of the line, missed a lot of things. But let me give, in closing, a few examples of people who had these epiphanies. They realized something in a moment. And it was in a moment that they either came face to face with God or in his presence, or Jesus Christ. The first one that always strikes me is Isaiah, a prophet, religious, well-accomplished. But even with all of that, there came a moment in his life that he had an epiphany, and it was different than anything he had ever, ever experienced in his life. Here's what it says. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. There were seraphims. They each had six wings. They covered their face, two covered his feet, and the two wings they flew. And one seraphim cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The posts of the door of the temple shook with the voice of him who cried out, And then Isaiah wrote and he said, and I said, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst unclean people. Epiphany. That moment, he's fully awake, eyes fastened, heart in tune, and he missed nothing. He got it. He saw who he was in the eyes of God. We need Each of us, that epiphany, that awareness to understand that our righteousness actually on our best day is still as filthy rags before God Almighty. The second example that I like is the blind man who met Jesus one day and he'd been blind, you know, most of his life. He didn't know necessarily who Jesus was, but Jesus healed him of his blindness. Well, when he healed the man of his blindness, people who were against Jesus Christ began to criticize and began to attack the man that had just been healed. And they kept asking him, well, you know, who who did this? And, you know, and, and, and the man tried to banter with them and he they they then went to the man's parents and they said well he's of age ask him they went back to the man and they kept just badgering him about what had happened and then in a moment and you can see it in the language in a moment it's kind of like he was done with bantering I'm done I'm done with it here's the fact I was blind now I see boom epiphany he, missed, he didn't miss that. The man that healed him, whoever he was, he knew this. I was once blind, but now I see. The third example of an epiphany, striking one, one that you're very familiar with because I, I refer to it a lot. Jesus told a series of parables. And then he told this one parable. He said, a certain man had two sons, and he said, the youngest son came to the father one day and said, I want my inheritance. And so the father gave him all of his inheritance. Well, the parable goes on and says that the young man then went into a far country and spent every dollar of that inheritance on riotous horse living. He just, just wasted it. But then it says that he found himself one day in a, in a pig pen eating the husks that he was feeding to the pigs. What did he miss? So he missed a lot of things until there was a moment. Again, an unusual phrase. It says while he was in that pig pen, and he realized no one cared for him, it says when he came to himself. I love that phrase, and what that phrase literally means is he acknowledged himself to himself. Epiphany. He became aware. His heart did. The life that he had been living was a waste, but it was his heart that changed. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm not worthy to even be a servant. He had that moment where he became fully awake. His eyes fastened to his own flaws. His heart was attuned to his own failures, but from that one he Realized something else. Made his way back home. Don't we know that it was a long way back home? But he knew the way home. But the scriptures say that the father saw his son coming back a long way off. He ran out, met his son, embraced him, kissed him, and said, my son who was dead, is now alive that prodigal son also realized not only who he was and how he had lived but who his father was and how much he loved him so these moments that we have we all i think are victims casualties whatever however you'd like to say it of the kinds of lives that we live, but understand that if we're not careful, we are never fully awake to God wanting to move upon our hearts. And that's why this morning I'll close with this verse that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Knowing now is the time, it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Don't miss things. Let God speak to your heart. It will become the truth that you live by. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your words that enrich us. And especially, Lord, we're thankful for your words of truth that allow us to see and understand the nature of things, the nature of our own lives, our own selves. Lord, also your word guides us in how to find you. I pray today, Lord, that we, each of us in our own lives, would would seek and aspire to become fully awake to your presence in our lives. May we not be oblivious or negligent. May we not be so busy that we don't have time, Lord, but may we stop and, as you've said so aptly, be still. (laughs) and know that I am God. May we each do that, Lord. And we know that you will give us those sightings, those presents, those words that we need to hear in our time of need, whatever they may be, and we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close. And I encourage everyone to... You know, I'm not prescribing or preaching at you. I'm, like I said, I'm at the front of the class, front of the line. We each need to be fully aware of God and His desire to be present in our lives. Let us all each awake out of our sleep and aspire to Him as we sing. Page 374. All right, as we sing one verse, if you'd like to come and pray, please do. Pray where you are. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter.